Greenwood High Performance Podcast, where we share with you the stories, tips, tricks, and strategies of motocross and off-road races, health and fitness experts, and everyone in between who has an inspiring story to share. This episode of the podcast, we've got Nick Sullivan on board. He owns and runs Competitive Edge Motocross Coaching in New South Wales, Australia. So I really love this conversation with Nick. He's got a really cool perspective on things. And I guess him and I probably share similar values and a similar perspective on on the things we talk about in this podcast, which not just covers motocross itself, but also on... Uh, on coaching so the the qualities that a coach needs to possess to be a really good coach and and to and to help people improve and reach their true potential so he he shares with us some really really valuable content in here around um, some of the processes that you that you could probably apply and some of the things you could think about with your own training both on and off the bike so really cool stuff and what I well, some of the, we get into a bit of stuff toward the end of the podcast, where, which Nick mentions he's actually working on some programs in the future that are actually going to not just help um, motocross athletes, but help motocross coaches, because that's a huge gap I see in our sport in Australia is the ability for motocross coaches to go and upskill themselves and actually learn how to be a better coach. So Nick's actually working on something along those lines himself which is really really cool and he talks about that at the end of the podcast so a lot of cool content in here if you would like to receive a little bit more of my content i've put a show a link in the show notes i should say to my email list so that you can click on that link enter your email address and you will receive at least one email from me a week where i share with you on that email list i share things, tips and knowledge around nutrition, around training, um, things that have inspired me, things I've learnt, things I've worked on with my clients that, have, that are getting really good results. So I share all sorts of things in those emails that um, provide a level of value for you that you can apply in your own training, um, in your own lifestyle. So if that is something that would interest you, click that link in the show notes. You can enter your details in there to sign up for the email list. And I've also put in the show notes the two links to Nick's social media pages, his Facebook page and his Insta page. So you can click them, give him a uh, give him a like and a follow and check out all of his content too. So that's it intro-wise for today. We'll get straight into the content with Nick. Hope you guys love this one as much as I did. Okay, today on the podcast, we've got Nick Sullivan from Competitive Edge Motocross Coaching. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Ben. Nice to be here. Thanks, mate. Um, I guess I wanted to start off, I guess the reason I reached out last week um, that I read where you were, you kind of touched on, the, I guess, the qualities of good motocross coach, their credentials, their ability to, to communicate, um, their ability to progress themselves and their skill set. Um, so those things stood out to me because I'm, I'm not a riding coach, but I'm a strength and conditioning coach. So... I know their qualities that I need to possess as a coach to be a really good coach. So I guess that stood out to me that you're obviously really passionate about what you do. So can we start off, if you can perhaps share with us, where did that passion begin and how has it flourished into you becoming a motocross coach? Uh, mate, the passion started honestly through the love of motocross. You know, I was, um, I was playing football as a young guy. My brother started racing dirt bikes. Um, and once I, once I started racing motorcycles, it was just, I suppose anyone who races a dirt bike understands that feeling. It's just something that uh, you can't mimic anywhere else. Uh, it's very individual and it's very um, motivating. And um, you've always got something to learn with riding a motorcycle. You know, like you could always be better, you know, and I suppose that's true of any sport. Um, but mate, I was just bitten by the bike bug, fell in love with motorcycles. And um, late in my, we'll say, in my early 20s, I had a broken neck. Oh, really? Um, took me off the bike for a while. Um, 
and then you get some negatives creep into your head. And then I had some guy help me with that. Uh, and, and I can tell you that success coaching, all that sort of stuff was very, very um, new and not even heard of back in the industry back then. But I just happened to bump into a guy that was a friend of my dad's that taught me some stuff and got me confident again and made me believe that I could, I could still ride a dirt bike. And um, he got me back on the bike and racing again. And the education that I got from him has actually helped me ride through life, not just with riding a dirt bike, you know. And um, ironically enough, mate, uh, a couple of years later, I had another accident where I broke some vertebrae in my back, had time off. So while I had time off from that, um, I wasn't racing at that time. I, um, I went and put myself through some success coaching courses uh, so I could be a better dirt bike coach, you know. So I always had the passion for dirt bikes. Uh, I was always coaching guys on dirt bikes, you know, back from almost the time I'd finished racing. Um, but in, in an endeavor to be the best coach that I could be, I started taking on this other stuff and trying to expand on that and bring that to the table as a coach as well, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So what did he sort of help you with some of the, I guess, the the mental aspect of, of returning from an injury like that, was it? Absolutely, man. I was, um, I'm six foot four, like just under 200 centimetres, you know? Yeah. So I'm a big guy. And a lot of people telling me constantly, man, you're too big to be riding dirt bikes, whatever. And he just had a different approach. He's like, well, think of all the areas that you can be stronger than other people and think of all the things, the benefits that I've got going for it, you know? Uh, he taught me about environment and state and getting myself in the right frame of mind before a race and all sorts of things, like things that just I'd never heard of before, you know? Yeah. Um, and really got me believing that it didn't matter whether you were big or small or as uh, if you had two arms, two legs and a head, you're in, a, you're in an equal playing field with everybody else and you're just going to have different strengths from other people and um, they're going to have different strengths and you just have to overcome those and work at your weaknesses until you build better at it and just educated me. Like I thought it was all about, you know, just twisting the throttle and hoping <laughs> that it all worked out well at the end, but there's so much more like there's a strategy to being successful, you know. Oh, absolutely right. I think, and that's the, I guess that's how I try and describe it. It's kind of like the glue. You can do your training, your riding and everything, but that, that mental aspect is what glues it all together and allows you to put it together on the day, I suppose. Exactly. Exactly. There's so much, right. like, you know, and I think as a sport, I really do think that, um, that uh, motocross is a very naive talk, mate. I think, we, I think in a lot of ways, motocross is very naive to training as a whole. Uh, I think it's been such an individual sport for so long and people have just made their own way and worked it out for themselves as they've gone along. Um, we're only really starting to see it now in America, you know, with the Elden Bakers and these guys, the trainers that are bringing a holistic approach to training. Yeah. Not just the fitness side or not just the non-bike side, but a holistic approach to it, you know, and everything from nutrition to the mind game to fitness to, you know, and finding even a balance where we know we've worked too hard and, and can even overtrain. I don't think anyone knew they could do that, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's, I think people, yeah, I guess I was speaking to someone about it the other day, like, because it, I guess it is an individual sport, like football clubs, cricket clubs, they have a coach and they have team training a couple of nights a week or whatever it is. But we, yeah, when you ride a dirt bike, you just sort of get on and ride it from day dot. And that's just, it's, seems normal you don't really realize how intense a sport it is because you've just been what you've done since you're five years old you don't realize how demanding it actually is on your body a lot of the time correct you know but with a football club and a soccer club and a cricket club you also have resources that you don't have as an individual you know racing motocross yeah. so you might be lucky enough to be part of a big association with a football club where they could introduce you to a personal trainer or someone that can help you with different aspects of your riding but with motocross, we've just been so naive that we've just looked after ourselves for so long as riders, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a bit different, but it's, it's exciting because, you know, I'm starting to see the change. And, and I'll be honest, Ben, I was really embarrassed to talk about this stuff to anyone, say, 10 years ago or five years ago. And I knew about it well before, obviously, you know, but I didn't want to yeah. be seen as, uh, as geeky or, or out there or whatever, you know, because it's a very ego-orientated sport in, in a lot of ways, you know, and you don't, you, it's, you don't want to come across the wrong way. Um, and I used to talk to other coaches about it and say, hey, do you think there's a market in this place for like success coaching or for uh, a holistic kind of coaching? And everyone's like, no, man, that's like a bit out there. Like no one listened to that stuff, you know? Uh, so now I get excited when I see the stuff that's going on in the US and, um, and now the transition, there's guys like yourself that, that see a whole different approach to training and coaching. Um, I love it. Like I think, you know, we're, we're finally got the ball you know, rolling and it's building some momentum and it's not so strange. I'm not afraid to talk about it. And 
we actually do a program that I introduced last year. We call it the Peak Performance Program. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that, actually. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so we just bought a PT in to show the kids and the riders some stuff that they can do in a gym or at home so they didn't need to necessarily be at a gym. Yeah. Uh, we brought in a physiologist or a physiotherapist that used to work with the Gold Coast Eagles. Um, so he brought a whole lot of knowledge to the table. Uh, we did some success coaching talks and seminars in the night. And then we got out on the bikes on Sunday and did some bike skill stuff. So it was a much more holistic approach to the coaching than just sit down, stand up, turn the bike here, turn your accelerator, you know, yeah. all the standard stuff that all the parrots can do when they've, uh, they've been to enough schools. <laughs> I think that's great, man. There, there needs to be more of that because it is such a, it's, it's not just one thing. Um, it is that holistic approach that, that makes the difference to the package. So, Absolutely. and it's, I think it can sound a bit woo woo to some people, but it's kind of simple too, I think when you break it down. Um, and the fact of the matter is if you actually do it and put some of those steps in place, like there's no, no denying that it freaking works. Like yeah, <laughs> every single one of my clients that's put those little practices into place, it's like boom, instant results. I was talking to someone last week and they said, so do you do motivational coaching? And I said, it's not necessarily motivational coaching. Like I get motivated by it because I can see by applying the right um, um, process, if you set a goal, if you have an action plan, you have stepping stones, milestones, ultimate goals, etc., and you're ticking boxes each week, you're making progress. And I get excited by the fact that it's undeniable that we have a process to succeed. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's exciting for me. Yeah, uh, as sure. opposed to just hoping, going and training and doing whatever it is that we do day in, day out, hoping we're going to get there. Now we actually have a process where we can tick boxes as we go along and it's actually measurable for success. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah, for sure. We're going to all reach our ultimate goals for different reasons. There's things that get in the way, whether it be injury or finances or jobs or, or whatever. But there is definitely a process where we can start ticking boxes and make improvements every week and it's measurable. Absolutely. So how do you mind like perhaps sharing with us in a condensed version? How do you, I guess, convey that process of setting goals for your clients? Like, like, we, like we're doing right now. If I don't do it like online, we'll do it face to face. Yeah. Um, but I'll get my, the guys that I work with to write me a goal and you would be aware of Smarties goals or smart goals. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's in a success coaching forum or an in-city sort of uh, holistic coaching forum knows how to set a goal or what a goal is, especially a Smarty goal. Um, so I'll explain that to the guys and I'll explain what the acronym means. Uh, then I'll get them to write me their goal in a paragraph. Uh, so instead of just writing it out in a one line sentence or something, I want some passion, I want some emotion behind it, something that's really tangible for them, you know? Yeah. Once we know what our ultimate goal is, then we just break it down into an action plan. So where do we start? So uh, for every client, it's going to be different. Um, but you have to talk to them, evaluate where they're at where they identify their weaknesses to be. And then we just start ticking off boxes. Okay, where can we go from here? Where do we want to be in, say, six months' time? Let's make that a milestone. What's our action plan to get there? What can we do in the first two weeks? Can we change our diet? Can we start a gym program if we haven't got one before? So I don't take care of everything, but I can guide them in the right direction. So once we've identified what their weaknesses are, we can send them off to a PT. We can send them off to a nutritionist, you know, and I just oversee the whole program for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, while well, they take care of it and, and I just measure it as we go along and make sure we're staying on track and if they need a kick in the bum, I give them a kick in the bum. If they need a pat on the back, I give them that. And <laughs> I think a lot of, uh, I think mate, really for me, coaching is, it's a very per personal thing. Um, anyone can stand in the dirt bend, and you know this or, or in a gym and tell people to do things that they've seen other people do parrot fashion. Yeah. I think the real gift in coaching <clears throat> is um, the personal aspect where you get to know your client, you know what their needs are, no two people are the same um, yeah, sure. and have them have faith that you know who they are and what they need as well, you know, and, and you build a relationship from it. It's not just, you know, uh, the basics of riding a dirt bike or whatever sport you're into. It is. Yeah. That's one of my mentors taught me that, that it's, he like used the, to, I guess, to give it a number that 50% of it's kind of knowledge and, and information, but 50% of it is how you communicate that and relate that to your client, to the person you're trying to deal with. So, yeah. and that's a freak, that's a skill. Like it's, it's, that's something I've really had to learn as, as a coach. And you um, never stop learning then. Like I've been doing this. No, that's right. I'm an old man and it, you don't <laughs> stop learning. You don't stop learning. 
Well, that was, that was what I was going to ask you. How did you, is that something you think you kind of possessed all along or is it something that evolved for you as, as you became a coach? Uh, I think I definitely learned a lot of it when I did my success coaching courses. Uh, they talked about presence uh, and about state and creating an environment. Yeah. I think communication has a lot to do with that as well. You have to like it by, and I suppose there's different levels of communication. Uh, initially, there's communication as far as your marketing goes and your sponsorship goes. So you've got to communicate and know how to do that. Second of all, there's the communication that goes on if you're presenting your school uh, or in, in front of a group. So you need to be able to speak publicly, do a great introduction, win people's confidence over with your own confidence, give them content as you work through the day so they understand that you're not just reciting things you've heard that come from other people, that you can give a theory to what you're teaching and, and instill their trust um, and understand how to communicate to a, to a large group. Then there's the third aspect of communication, which is really understanding and knowing your client and getting to know them personally and how to relate to each individual on a basis that works for them. Um, you don't, I don't think you ever get it. I think I'm constantly learning from it. I constantly yeah. think get better at it. I often make mistakes and slap myself in the forehead and think, oh, I've gone about that the wrong way. I could have done this better. Um, I think you've got to hold yourself accountable a lot too and keep reassessing your own, your own performance like you would one of your clients and re-evaluating and seeing whether you're doing a good job or where you can improve and it's just constant re-evaluation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you, I guess, how do you convey that or communicate that, I guess, the process of progression to your clients? Because I know, like you just said, like it is, it's a constant, um, I guess, assessing, applying, progressing um, to, to keep moving forward. So how how do you, I guess, communicate or convey that, that process to your clients? Because I think I read, I read a motocross coach's post the other day, actually, who um, he, he put up a post saying how he shaved eight seconds a lap off this kid's lap time with three hours of coaching, um, which I'm not knocking the guy like it. That's great. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's possible. I know it's possible, but it's not, reality i think it's just a little bit unauthentic because you know as well as i do it's the same in the gym it's the same on the track you're not going to hit a pb every time in the gym you're not going to shave eight seconds a lap every time you go to a coaching day or it's it's consistency it's days it's weeks it's months and then and then oh shit i got two seconds like it's 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 a long game so how do i guess yeah how do you convey that to your that that process I think with motocross as a sport in particular, um, we are all driven by the quick result. You know, we all want yeah. the, the tangible, I've oh, dropped seconds, like you just discussed. But for me, it's more about um, the rider knowing that they've improved in a certain section or a certain area that we've actually targeted through our action plan, that we've gone out knowing that we have to focus on a certain area, take an action, worked on it, come away from it better for the result. We go back to our action plan, we tick another box. So we, not only do we have it as part of our plan as being another milestone or another stepping stone that's being ticked, but they also feel it, you know? And part of that is my communication is building up their confidence and, and congratulating them and making them feel good about the fact that they've, they've achieved whatever it was that that action step was that we had to take for the day. Um, and the progress or the result or communicating, it really comes from their own results. They see it, they feel better on the motorcycle, they feel better for doing the training that they've done or whatever the action is that they've taken part in. Um, and it doesn't need to be communicated because they feel it. Mm. Um, and you just share that enthusiasm with them, I think, and it just builds them up. And the more they progress, the more they build their confidence and the more they're enthusiastic about it. And it's a progression. It's, it doesn't necessarily need to be. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first to run over. I've been known as the kissing coach because every time one of my kids <laughs> does that, I run over and I kiss them on top of the head, you know. And there was a point there when I was running the race teams where I had to apologise to the parents and say, look, if you don't want to kiss your kids, I need to know now because I get it. <laughs> I do run over and kiss them on the head. Um, I do love it, mate. You know, there's, um, I love seeing the kids do well and I love seeing riders succeed and um, I'm passionate about what we do and I'm invested in them emotionally as well. So I think they see that and that's a way of communicating it by seeing my passion uh, and, and my, my personal commitment to them is reflected in my actions towards them and my excitement for them. That's another way of communicating. You know, if it was just a text message saying, yeah, well done, it's kind of a bit bland. But when you come running out of the pits and kiss them on top of the head and tell them how great they are, you know, they really get a feel for, for how well they've done and they can be excited by it, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that that key word you've used there a couple of times is emotion. Like that's that's what drives us all at the end of the day is, is emotion. And like you said before, with goals, even like if you can tie it to an emotion, you can just write a freaking goal down, and it's, it's pointless effectively if you 100%. can't. To, to an emotional connection, that's what's going to drive you. Yeah, and even talking about emotions there, you know, like one of the elements of coaching that I've learned and using emotion is um, a rider or an athlete can have a bad day. And if we let our emotions get the better of us and we all come in with our faces upside down and feeling down because it hasn't been a good race or a good event, it can uh, affect an athlete's performance for the next few weeks. They're down on confidence and they just don't feel right on the bike or whatever sport they do. If you come in after a bad race and we break it down and say, okay, so what happened? And let the kid tell you, like, they already know, you, or the writer told you, you don't need to yell and yeah, scream exactly. at them and tell them that terrible. They already know. Um, let them tell you. Ask them, can we be better for it? And don't do it straight away. Let them have a drink or, or, or uh, something to eat first and let them just calm down and then have a nice conversation about it. Ask them where they thought they went badly. Can they improve on it? If they say yes and they know how to do that, just get them to explain how. If not, as a coach, get involved and say, I think we could do this better and maybe if you try that, that'll work better for us. Okay, can we be better for the next one? Yeah, of course, because we've just identified what our weakness is. We're going to go out and work on it. So it can't be any worse. We're only going to get better at it. And it's an easy switch of emotion, okay, and the way that we speak to the client to get them in a better frame of mind and keep them more positive and, and working in a better direction, you know? Um, too many times I see people, whether it be dads or coaches, come in with their faces upside down and despondent because the kids had a bad day or the writers had a bad day uh, and just approach it differently. I think there's a different way to approach it. We all have bad days, mate. Like, I'm sure there's days you don't want to go to work. There's days I don't want to be at work. We're only human and we all have bad days. Kids are going to have them on motorcycles. Um, riders of any age, even, you know, the best of athletes, the pros, are going to have their bad days. It's just how do we deal with it and can we turn a negative into a positive by identifying what the weakness was for that particular day, improving on it next time we go out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's totally right. I think um, one of Conor McGregor's quotes actually is, I'm either winning or I'm learning. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's cool. I've never heard that, but I really take, like it. Take that approach, that. yeah, because it's only one, one person can win in a motocross race, so it's... Yeah. But whichever way the race goes, like you say, there's always, yeah, there's there's going to be things, even if you win, there's going to be things you can improve on. Always. But there's always yeah. thing, always positives you can take away as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched a really cool video, Red Bull video the other day of um, Alden and um, Marvin. He was like, they're at the track doing their laps and Marvin cracked the shits and rode over the back of the berm holding his bike on the limiter and the, <laughs> the mechanics just... It's like, oh, that's fine. He just does that, you know. He gets he gets hot under the collar, and Alden's like, no, no good. He's got to he's got to be in control. He's yeah. got to be in control of his emotions, and I think that's hundred percent right. Alden has revolutionised motocross. He really has. He's brought um, such a broad, broad coaching spectrum into the industry, and set an example with it. And mm. his results are undeniable. Love him or hate him, his his results are undeniable. Um, yeah. So, and he's really opened. The whole industry up to a different perspective of coaching. I love, I love what Alvin Baker does. You know, like I don't know the guy personally, but uh, you know, you watch the the stuff where he was working with Villapoto, You know, and they have a little bit of banter and sarcasm going on, and I'm sure that's a different relationship to what he has with Marvin. And he knows his athletes intimately. He knows them emotionally and what they need, and he pushes yeah. them, and he's getting results for it. Like you know, the guys, the guys killing it. Yeah, well, it's exactly right. Like you say, you can't deny that. Look what he's done with web. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot, a lot of web success this year can be attributed to just being on the Baker program. Yeah, sure. So tell us about some of the things you've done with, uh, with CompEdge. Like you, you worked for a couple of the, or ran a couple of the, the junior teams and the development teams. So tell us how that sort of, how, how long were you, I guess, coaching before that sort of unfolded for you? Uh, maybe three years. I'd started coaching. I, I got into coaching accidentally. Um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, yeah, a friend of my father's had a son who was racing bikes and knew that I used to race and had, had been given up for a while. And he's like, oh, can you help my son? Can you help my son? And I'm like, honestly, I, I'm not worthy. In, in some ways, you know, I was, um, I didn't have the most stellar of racing careers. You know, I don't have Australian championships and 
Supercross trophies all around. So um, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer or that I was worthy to offer anything. Um, and he just kept persisting, you know, come on, can you take him down the back? And then one day he just rolled up with another motorcycle, you know, he goes, now there's two bikes, now you've got to take him down the back. Because he, he basically just bribed me, you know. And I thought, well, I'm not going to miss the opportunity to have a ride. So I went down the back and we started doing some work and actually found it fun. And, and immediately the, we got some results, you know, and I, it was good. And then he went to the racetrack and started doing better, getting better results and his, his results were improving. And his mates then, I suppose, saw what was going on and saw the improvement in his riding. So they started ringing and I started working with them. And it wasn't long before a couple of those guys that I was helping were all getting their stuff out of the one dealership at Bike Biz at Parramatta. And um, one day the, the owner of Bike Biz just rolled into my, my backyard while I was doing some coaching sessions and said, mate, I have all these kids that buy stuff through my shop and they all seem to be doing a whole lot better this year. And they all told me that you, you know, you've been working with them. How about we do a development program or a development team and you can look after the race team for me and I'll support the kids and we'll make this work, you know? So it took me a little while. I had a young family at the time then. I had a young daughter who was, I think, two or three. Um, I was a bit skeptical, but I was excited. I also didn't know whether I could do it. I'd never done any form of management before or any time coaching other than just what was progressing in my parents' backyard. Um, but I'm a great believer in when opportunity uh, rears its head, you've got to have a shot. You may fail, okay, yeah. and it might not work out, but I think you've got to give most things a shot, you know, um, after a bit of thought. So we jumped on board and we did it, and it was really successful. Like, we just had so much attention. It was a big team. We had seven or eight riders, I think, and everywhere we went, people were talking about us. Um, and the kids were starting to do really well. And through no fault of my own, like, I have to admit that on great bikes, um, the confidence that comes with being part of a team and other riders and looking the same and having all that helps immensely. Like the amount of confidence that comes from being told you're on a race team helps those kids immensely. Plus a few little things that we're helping with. It was going well, really well. So halfway through that first year, um, we caught the attention of Yamaha who had already had a couple of uh, junior development teams going, one in Queensland and one in Victoria. And they approached me and said, hey, how would you feel about running the New South Wales League of Yamaha Junior Development Program? Um, and lucky for me, the guy that owns Bike Biz, who I was committed to, and said, look, I do this for him, and he started it, was like, Nick, just take the opportunity to go. Like, this, don't worry about us, we'll be fine, you know. I'll still support some of the kids on the team, but go do it. So we took a chance, and, uh, mate, it was a blessing, I tell you. I got to meet some wonderful families and work with some amazing kids, and I learned so much through that period. Um, it took a very, very heavy toll on my family, though. I was away a lot. Mm, and yeah, with the travel, you know, and like I said, we had a young family and by this stage I'd had my second daughter. My wife was at home a lot and um, after a couple of years, mate, it was just too big at all and I had to just call it a day and go home and be responsible to my family before I was responsible to everyone else's kids, you know? Yeah, totally. But knocked it on the head, but mate, I was gifted, honestly. I got some great kids and we had some great times and um, the learning process that I went through through that four or five years was amazing. I mean, uh, without being on too much, you know, through that period, I got to coach the New South Wales state team. Um, I also took on a senior team. So we took on the Yamaha dealer team as well. Um, amazing period of my life, you know, like it was a great opportunity and, and it was uh, a great learning curve. And coming off the back of that, mate, I still wanted to be involved in motorcycles and I still had a lot of good people that I'd built relationships with that were supporting me. And the coaching thing meant that I could stay at home Monday to Friday. Uh, do a coaching gig once every two, three, four weeks, whatever it was that suited me and the family at the time, and still be involved um, without the commitment of running the race teams and being away every weekend. So back to coaching, mate. And at that point, um, I just knew that I progressed so much in four, four years as a coach that I was hungry for more development. I just wanted to learn more and more about it. And so now my passion, like I said, you, you think I'm a real, you think I was a real nerd if you saw me, mate. I sit in my car going to work and I <laughs> listen to podcasts and I listen to other coaches and I break things down and I'm uh, I'm a bit of a coaching geek to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's great. I I share the same passion, man. And I think I think like I was gonna, <clears throat> I think I, one of the things I mentioned in the email before, but I think that's important that. It's like you said in that post is that you're trying to improve your skill set as a coach and when you are so passionate about it like you obviously are then you're always and there's, there's no end point there's like you're always looking for little pieces and, and that was one of the things i was going to ask you like obviously you've worked with some other really amazing motocross coaches too so um 
and I think that that's something I've done in the last few years is just go to coaching days with with any coach and and just learn from them because they're whether you know you might not believe with it believe in everything they tell you but you'll pick up little pieces from different coaches and absolutely and then, everyone's got their different way of delivering stuff and like I said yeah. I think it's constant self analysis. Um, I've been blessed. I have worked with a lot of great coaches, whether it was with my work through Yamaha, working through the guys that, you know, are their YAN coaches. Um, very early in the piece, I got to work, and this is what got me into bikes, was the Stephen Gall University of Motocross. So yeah. I got to work with Stephen Gall and those guys at, at the Dargle schools very early with my coaching. Um, I worked with Lee Hogan and Greg Moss I've done days with, and, and they're all incredibly good coaches and they're wonderful people, you know, and we have so many good coaches in Australia. Yeah, um, that we're lucky, and I've learned something from each of them, you know, and applied it to my own my own coaching. So uh, now I'm very lucky, mate. Yeah, that's awesome. So, like, you've obviously worked with some of the top riders in Australia, especially on a junior level. What some of the common traits you would see in those kids that get those, or I guess, get to the top that that really get the result that they're after? Is there some common traits you see that they share? Um, it's a focus, Ben. Uh, it, it's not a particular skill. It's it's a focus and a determination. So I think that um, it comes down more to personality than skill. Mm. Um, we can we can work with uh, athletes that don't have the talent level or the skill level by changing their techniques and helping them with that. But the people that have gone on to be super successful that I've worked with, or the kids that I know that have, have really gone on to make a career but are still racing after juniors always had that focus. Whether I came into their careers or not, they're always going to make it. You know what I mean? They just have a certain drive and a particular determination that isn't going to stop them. Yeah. Um, make girls are incredible for it. Girls, mm -hmm. the, the, the two or three girls that I've worked with over the years, um, incredibly focused. When they set their mind to something, um, determination like you wouldn't believe, you know. Boys seem to be a little bit more flippant, a little bit more want to go and have a chat in between races and a bit of a social day, you know, but girls just so focused and so so determined um yeah, yeah so it, it's a personality trait it really is you know some kids just really know what they want and they're always going to get it whether you know don't know, i shouldn't say whether or not they they have the right people to like some people are just uh more motivated than others and it's a higher priority and it's mm -hmm. more focused for them and they're going to be successful yeah do you think that sort of because i think you're totally definitely right for sure i think do you think it's something that is trainable though? Like you say, like if you actually take someone, obviously if they're focused and driven, they may have perhaps been more goal orientated from the get go, whether that comes from their parenting or whatever. But when you take someone and then start applying that, those processes and, and setting some an awesome goals, question. getting some focus. This is an awesome question. Somebody do you, yeah, do you think then that can build that desire, build that focus? Yeah. It's an awesome question. I think, People are only coachable if they want to be. Yeah. Okay. So if they want to be coached and they want to be trained and they would, well, they already have that passion, that determination to sit and listen and, and, and want to be better. Mm. Um, I can take a relatively talented kid now and take him under my wing and say, or any of the good coaches, you know, and try and get him to improve. But if his focus is not there and he's just a talented kid with a lot of natural ability, but his passion's not there for it and he doesn't really want to, you can show them or you can show them the results. You can show them the process. You can show them all that stuff. But if they don't want to do it because their mind is elsewhere and they're just not as passionate about it or as determined as someone else, I think I'm going to have more success with a less talented kid with a whole lot of determination than I'm going to have with a really talented kid that takes it for granted. Yeah. You know, and it comes too easy to. Um, Absolutely. And I prided myself with our race teams back in the day. I've not taken the kids that were already winning. Mm. You know, I wanted to take the kids that I could see had that right attitude and draft them into the team and give them their opportunity, you know, and give them that confidence and that support. Um, and it caused a few arguments because there was a lot of people that thought they should have had deals on my teams because they were well supported, or yeah. races, but it wasn't the objective for me. For me, it was to give those kids that didn't have that chance, that had the right attitude, their reward and their opportunity, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think I think everyone can be coached, everyone can be trained. But it all depends on their on their willingness and their passion to be successful, whatever it is that they find themselves to. Yeah, I think you're. That's a great answer. Um, I think you're right. It's a fine line, I guess, from having that natural ability 
to thinking that you already know it all. Um, that was one of the things I had Rhino, Ryan Hughes come over last year and we, he did some schools down here in Victoria. And that was one of the things he said, like obviously he's worked with some, <clears throat> with a lot of champions. He said that they all have an ability to look for, I guess not criticism, but they're always looking for ways to improve. And he said like even one day he was at Parlour when Dungey had already won a title and Dungey saw him there and pulled off the track and asked him, to watch him, could you give me any tips? And he'd already yeah. won a title. Like <laughs> he's already the best in the world, and he's he's yeah. asking people for for ways to get better. So yeah. And I only watched an interview with Rhino last week, and um, he's still going through that self analysis and process of judging himself and working on himself and improving things and his systems. And um, he's another really motivated dude and someone who you know uh, doesn't just coach other athletes, but coaches himself as well along the journey. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what have you, you've gone on from that. You just do more of one-on-one coaching now and, and schools, I guess, rather than the actual teams stuff. No, mate, you know, this is, well, um, I would love to do more one-on-one coaching. Yeah. But in New South Wales in particular, I think, and Australia as a whole, it's very difficult to do that um, under the current MA structure. It's really set up for schools and if I was to take out a permit and then charge an hourly rate to go and do one-on-one with somebody, um, make that up for four, 400 bucks or 300 bucks for two hours. And that's just not realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the permits are too dear and I need to be insured. I'm not going to go out and, you know, have someone get hurt because if you get hurt permanently, Ben, you've got no choice but to sue an insurance company or a, a, the person, you know, to make sure that you've got money coming in for the rest of your life if you're, in, if you're incapacitated. Yeah. Um, so I need to make sure that we are insured that we do things the right way. I have to take out the permits through like New South Wales and make sure that we're covered. And if we do that, then it's just too expensive for one-on-one. Yeah. Um, this is why I'm trying to do the um, peak performance schools now because I want to introduce all of these people to this stuff and try and get some more coaching going on on the success side of coaching more than just the on-bike stuff. Um, so on-bike schools, for me, schools are the big push. Uh, that's where all my marketing comes from. That's what gives me the attention in social media that gets my sponsors on board and keeps me going. Uh, motorcycles or motocross will always be the vehicle that drives the coaching for me. Um, but, yeah, I would like to shift that momentum too and ultimately, mate, like I'd like to take our peak performance into other sports. I've already got an interest from a tennis club and a tennis coach who want me to take it and do tennis. Uh, so I've already got the PT guys and the physio guys already doing some research and working out um, what they've got to do to, to improve or what they need to know about tennis. Um, yep. And we'll do that. So, mate, yeah, I would like to move it into other avenues. Motorcycles and motocross will always be my passion, always be the vehicle. But I'd like to take the stuff that we're teaching into other sports. Yeah, that's awesome. So how was that received? Like the people you had you do your peak performance? Or- was it great feedback? As much as I sound like a cocky bugger sometimes, I'm really insecure. And especially introducing this stuff um, into the industry. Finally worked up the courage to do it. And it was so well received. Like we had one lady just stand up and clap. And then she started telling me that I need to start putting this stuff on social media and start doing blogs and, and blogs and stuff with all the success stuff that we've done. Um, it was cool. It was received. So even by the dads and some of the dads might have been a bit skeptical when they first turned up about, oh, you know, this is a bit different. This is a bit weird. What's going to go on here? Um, I think by the end of the night's seminars, before we even got out onto the track on a Sunday, we're a bit sat back in their seat and a bit like, well, this, this guy kind of knows a whole lot about stuff that we've never heard about bikes before and it all makes sense. And, you know, so um, I'm really pushing forward with it this year, mate. We're going to do as opposed to doing the one we did last year, we'll probably try and get three or four of those peak performances ones in this year and uh, also hook up with this tennis club and do it for them as well and try and increase the amount of those that we do throughout the year. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I, I think like that insecurity thing, I think that's everyone's got that to some degree. Um, <laughs> I think like if, if you're honest with yourself, every, and that's the thing, that's what I tell my clients a lot too, like you, I was speaking to some clients about this this morning that you quite often see from the outside, all we see is the result of that the person obtains. We don't see the in-between. It's never a straight line from here to here. It's just like it's around and around. And 
then I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a battle for everyone that I'd like, I'd battle with it myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's something, I guess it's there for a reason, but um, it's, I guess, challenging to overcome, but it is. And then that's, and that's, you know, I think that's where a lot of the adrenaline comes from, Ben, you know, like you sit on this stuff for a long time and you're nervous and, even, like I said to you from the very start, I didn't feel like I had enough value to offer some young guy coaching-wise. Um, I think we all underestimate our ability. Yeah. Uh, even though we're coaches now, we all know better. We all know that we, we know that <laughs> we all underestimate our ability. But uh, until you take that first action step and move and start moving forward, you're never going to know. You've got to do it at some point. You've got to take that leap of faith and just go, okay, well, let's throw it out there and see how it's perceived or what's going to happen. Mate, I introduced... Um, some Christian ministry work into my bike riding school. And uh, it scared the life out of me, like honestly, to put myself out there in front of all my mates and tell them that I'd become a Christian and I was going to run a bike day that had a Christian content to it. Um, I procrastinated on it for so long and I was so scared, but eventually I worked up the courage to do it. It's our biggest day of the year, mate. We get like 60, 70 riders plus all the parents turn up and it's it's become our biggest day of the year, our Christian event. So it's... um, you just got to take the leap of faith. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. Uh, if you're scared of something, that's a good thing. Everyone gets nervous, but take an action step and see where it leads, you know. It might be the greatest thing you ever do. Yeah, exactly. It's that, that I guess, that fear factor of, of taking that leap. Like you said, back when you started the school, or started the team, like you just, sometimes you do just have to jump and, and trust, yeah, trust the process. That's right. <laughs> like you say, you'll, you'll never know otherwise. No, that's right, you know, and I think riders are the same, like, you know, or athletes as a whole. Exactly. Um, do I sign this contract? Do I go to this team? Do I do whatever? Well, you have to, honestly, you have an educated guest. To be honest, you have to think about the opportunity first and is it really going to suit you? Um, but if you're a little bit nervous, you go, oh, I don't know that I'm really the right guy for this because of better people or whatever, don't. Just, it, it's being presented to you for a reason and, uh take it and if you're not the right person you'll soon find out you won't be there for much longer you know what i mean but if you're the right person it'll work out and um to be honest mate i think a lot of chad's success don't get me wrong he's he's a determined bugger and he's, he's an incredible rider but he also had opportunities that he took at the right times you know like going to europe when he wanted to go to america the door opened and he didn't say no i don't want to go to europe he saw it as a, an opportunity you know to get more yeah. recognition and he went he did had an incredibly successful year that led to riding a 250 uh over in the states he didn't really want to ride the lights class, but it was his first foot in the door, so he did it, you know, and you've just got to be open to opportunity and take it when it rears its head and, and build on it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing like on that, I guess with religion, it's gratitude is a big part of most religions. So I think that's something that's something I work on with my guys. And again, coming back to that, perhaps kids that have had everything a little bit easier than some other kids. You, you can take it for granted a little bit. So is that something you weave into everything you do, is practising gratitude and being grateful for what you have? Uh, I learned more about gratitude uh, prior to me becoming a Christian through the success coaching stuff, you know, because that's where yeah. I first heard about it. And that happened before I actually became a Christian. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, definitely part of my daily prayer stuff is to give thanks for all the great things I've got, mate. When I look around and I see the fact that at nearly 50, I'm still involved in motorcycles. I still ride motorcycles. I'm really well supported. So, you know, I couldn't do it without that support. I've got three gorgeous kids, mate, and a beautiful wife. You know, like, I've got a great job. Life is good. You know, I've got a lot to be grateful for, you know. And uh, I think sometimes we get bogged down looking at the people around us and thinking, oh, we could have more, we could have more. Um, be grateful for what you've got because it's a really good life. And unless you take time to smell the roses, you're always going to be... Uh, chasing the Joneses for argument's sake, you know, and you really yeah. need to appreciate what you've got to be comfortable in life and, and even to move forward, you know. Uh, sometimes when you look around and you're grateful for what you have, it gets you excited, it makes you happy, it puts you in a better frame of mind to take those opportunities and to, to take a chance and, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, gratitude's a huge part of life, man, I think. I really enjoyed listening to you talk to Jay the other day from Rack Racing. Uh, yeah, he's a cool dude. The gratitude stuff. That guy's unreal. I love watching his posts. <laughs> yeah. And um, but see, there's there's another thing. Like I think if a lot of our athletes then watch some of his posts, they think, "Oh, this guy's crazy." Mm, yeah. Um, but coaching is such a big world. It is. There's so much. Like we talk about just then 
um, the emotion that comes by. We didn't even get into triggers for creating state and environments and you know, we just talked about action plans and goal setting, but there's just it just it keeps expanding and going on and going on and going on. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's why I'm so passionate about it because it's just endless and there's so much that we can bring to the table. But unfortunately, our athletes are just a little bit naive to it, you know. Um, and until they they are prepared to listen, or unless we provide a platform for them to hear it, which is what I've tried to do through peak performance, um, they're going to stay naive. And unfortunately, the governing bodies in Australia don't provide us with enough upskilling opportunities or stuff like that in our sport. So it's up to the individual to take the action and to go out there. And if you want to be better at what you do, to go and learn the skills and find the courses to do and put yourself through it and, you know, and study it to be the best you can be. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something I definitely want to get into next is a bit of that stuff. But um, that's I think that's the best way. Like you said, people are naive to it a little bit, but... All we can do is try and educate them and give them those platforms exactly like you're doing with things like that peak performance and slowly but surely that's going to build. Like you've obviously had a heap of people come to that event and loved it. They're going to tell their mates. They're going to tell their mates and sooner or later it's, it's going to start building. So it comes back to the, uh, that education and like you say, giving them a platform that they can access it. So Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want to do, mate. Yeah, I really do because I believe in what we coach and I believe in the system that I've learned. Um, but I want to put it out there for everyone else to learn from as well, you know, because it's, uh, it's truly, it's, it's undeniable um, that it can make improvements to your career, you know, yeah. it, it, as an athlete, if yeah. you put these things in place. Uh, it's undeniable. I mean, you get to see it, it's measurable. It's measurable. Totally. So let's, let's get into that a little bit of the, I guess, the, what's your perspective on the coaching accreditation in Australia? Like if we... We've obviously spoken about how many aspects there are to being a good coach. Um, I just did the coaching accreditation um, with MA. So it was, don't get me wrong, I know it's you just kind of get what you pay for. It's very cheap. But yeah. I think the door was left open for a lot of those areas that we spoke about, like communication, basic goal setting, yeah. things like this. And just the role of being a coach, like I think, as a coach, whether you're a motocross coach or a S and C coach or a freaking under 13s footy coach, like you have the ability to empower people. And I think they kind of downplayed that. I, I felt like anyway, they really downplayed the role of a coach. So what's your perspective on that? I've got to be careful what I say because I do have relationships with people in governing bodies. Uh, and I know they're trying hard and they've got a lot of things that they've got to, um, they've got to take care of and look after within the sport. Mm. Um, but because my focus is coaching, I look at it more deeply than say somebody else who, whose focus isn't. Um, I think we do a terrible job of coaching, uh, not coaching, but of the, of the system. Um, yeah. It's too easy to get a coach's license. We're dealing with kids on motorcycles. Uh, we're dealing with young kids that are in some ways emotionally vulnerable. Um, and there's no real minimum requirement or minimum standard to be a coach in, in, in Australia. Um, the level one, I think, is an absolutely average course to go through to get a license or a ticket to go out and coach someone. And then to think that with a level one, the responsibilities that you can take on in the sport, mm. um, you're not prepared for that. You're really not, you know, and it's, under, it's underestimated how much responsibility a coach has to a group of kids or a group in general. Um, the level two course I would like to see is the level one. I really enjoyed the level two course. Going to the AIS was an amazing experience for me. Um, yeah, right, so you, you actually go there as part. Is that a requirement of level correct. two? Correct, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. go to the AIS and you spend a week there doing a training course, which was fantastic, and you learn yeah, so great. much from that. And yeah. that really should be the minimum, the minimum, mm. I think, for, um, for your level one, because it yeah. teaches you so much. And you're also interacting with athletes that are there on Olympic programs. And it's an eye-opener, Ben, because we have all these kids that race motorcycles. I think they're athletes because they run around the block twice a week or something. Yeah. Um, you have 16-year-old girls that can pull themselves up these ropes that are two stories high with their legs <laughs> at 90 degrees to their torso. And you think, these kids are unbelievable. Like, this is commitment. And they're there five days a week and their whole life evolves around being the best at what they do in their sport. 
Um, and you look at, say, guys that are paid good contract money in Australia to ride dirt bikes and they close to being the athlete that these young 15, 16 year old girls are, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing experience. Um, but the course that the level two is, is very good and I, I'll give them credit for that. But I really do think that should be the minimum standard. I think that should be a level one course, to be honest, because coaching comes with a huge responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right for sure. And I, I, I would agree totally with that. I guess because I'm... I've, I run a gym and I've, I coach people, so I've got some. I've got a basic understanding of coaching. So, if I went and did that course, course, and I'd never ever coached anyone in my life, I would have not come away knowing how to coach anyone. Yeah. yeah. With some of those, like you say, some of those basic skills of actually coaching people. Yeah. Um. So, like that was one of the the other things you mentioned in in that post was of a, a good coach. Coach is are they upskilling, but what do you see that's available in Australia for specifically for a motocross coach to upskill? Because I know as a SNC coach or a personal trainer, you could go to a seminar or a workshop every week of the year without fail mm-hmm. on strength and conditioning, on lifting, on squatting, on dead or mobility. They're, they're everywhere, yeah. which is awesome, which is great. Like you, you can upskill yourself as much as you want, but what there's, I haven't seen anything around and I think it's probably perhaps a gap that could be filled is specifically for motocross coaches. You're on the money, mate. You really are. Uh, There's nothing specifically within the sport to upskill. Uh, Again, I think it's up to the individual. If you want to upskill, um, you can go and do the courses that you looked at and make yourself um, more knowledgeable about strength and conditioning, about fitness, about nutrition. There's plenty of things out there if you want to go and find a specific area to find expertise in. Um, you can go and do success coaching courses or things like this. Is there a hole in the market? Yes. And something I'd like to bring along to the industry over the next 12 months, 18 months is a coaching coaches course. I would love to go around and, and coach coaches um, in so many things. Like and like we said before, being you know, on such a broad spectrum that we're never going to cover it all. You're never going to cover it all. But there's still a lot more that we can educate the current coachings, the current coaches in um, about state, environment, attitude, confidence, um, delivery of your message, processes that just isn't covered in anything that we do currently under the guidelines or the, the coaching systems that are in place. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's somewhere I'd like to head my own coaching, especially as I get older and get off the motorcycle, you know, I'd like to leave that to my brother and another couple of guys that helped me with the with the coaching um, to look after the, that side of it for me in the future. And I'd like to take it off on a tangent to to coach coaches and do more of the peak performance stuff with other with other sports. Yeah, that's amazing. I'd be there, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're always welcome. Always. Like I said, I think I think it is that there's a gap there um, for someone to do something like that. Like, yeah. and again, it comes. It also comes down to the coach wanting to like you say wanting to upskill themselves and looking to better themselves just like a rider will um so but i think like you say if the platform's there then you, you can um i guess I'm already, I'm already in discussions with motorcycle new south wales about it so i've basically written a program already um yeah. that I've, I've presented to them so basically i just want them to approve it and say look yeah look i think this is a great idea we'll support it and get on board and you know, um, and get it out there because it's, um, it's not hard to improve on the current crop of education <laughs> or uh, of quality of standard that we've got out there at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see that. That'd be great. I think that'd have legs for sure. And the market is flooded with coaches, Ben. There's so yeah. Many well, that, that's what I was going to say. When I was, a, like, I'm 30, nearly 39 now. When I was a kid, there was no motocross coaches. Like, You've read Stephen Gold's column in ADB, but that was it. But it wasn't. Now they're dying, like, for want of a better term, they're dime a dozen. Like, they're popping up everywhere, motocross coaches. But like you say, that doesn't necessarily mean they're all, not to take any away from, anything no, no, away no, from no, them. No, you know no, what I mean? Like, but if we can, something like that, if you can give them a platform to improve themselves and become a better coach, then it's only going to improve the sport, the industry, the riders. It's going to be better for everyone. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and I'm, not, I'm not threatened by any amount of coaches. Um, I, I, would, I would rather have um, a 
whole heap of coaches out there coaching the right way and being responsible for their results and being responsible for what they bring to the to the table um, than uneducated ones, you know, and guys that are are not helping the sport in any way. Um, I don't do coaching for a career. I have a nine to five, which I'm interrupting. Um, I have a nine to five job and my money comes from that, okay? My passion is about, uh, is my own coaching and understanding that it's responsible. So I don't have to do it for money. I don't go out there and um, and do this to pick up a quick buck. I do it because I love coaching and I'd love to see other coaches be better coaches if I can help them through my experience. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm definitely not threatened by these guys that come in and they're all want to be coaches and me say, oh, I think it's too easy. They shouldn't be allowed to do it just because I don't want them to come into the sport. I would love to see a lot of coaches in the sport, but I'd love to see them be able to offer something that was value to each of their clients and not dangerous. I see a lot of guys come in uh, and like I said a little bit, I just touched on a little bit earlier before about the young kids and they're very vulnerable emotionally. Yeah, you, sure. that. you know, you can crush a kid's confidence really quickly if yeah. you're a coach and you go about things the wrong way or you're just there for a quick grab and run, you know, and it's damaging for, for the sport and it's damaging for other coaches, it's damaging for the clients. So I just think I'm happy to have as many coaches as there can possibly be out there. I just think they need to be educated to a certain level um, mm, totally. to benefit the sport. Absolutely. And I think that you can obviously tell that your heart's in the right place because that's – and when your heart is in the right place like that for any coach, you're not going to feel threatened by other people because you know that you're progressing yourself and, yeah, yeah. and everyone's progressing as a whole. So. My journey's about me, not about everybody <laughs> else. I, as long as I'm doing what I'm happy with and progressing and that's all, you know, that's what I'm happy to Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess that, that probably my, my one of my final questions was going to be what's in the future for Competitive Edge, but I guess that's probably covered it there. But is there anything else apart from the peak performance stuff that you're working on for the future for, for Competitive Edge? Uh, peak performance and coaching coaches. They're the two yeah. programs in my head in the direction that I really want to go as I get older. Um, like I said, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting a bit old to be on the bike week in, week out. I can see myself doing it for another year or two. Um, but by that stage, I'd like to have built up um, a little bit of momentum with the other two courses or the other two programs and start pushing those out and uh, focusing on those and letting the other boys that help me out look after the on-bike stuff. Yeah, awesome. It might be time to get an adventure bike or something then. Oh, I don't know that I'll be that old then. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the way everyone goes these days. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> Honestly, it's, uh, it's funny. I, um, I don't even enjoy trail riding that much, to be 100% honest. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I am. Um, Love being on the track. I enjoy going round and round in circles. And yeah. <laughs> I can't explain <laughs> it like a couple of shit, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's just what I enjoy doing, you know, round and round, up and down. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I've got three questions that I ask most people who are dirt bike enthusiasts like you. Just to wrap things up, what, if you had a choice, two stroke or four stroke? What's your favourite bike? Oh, now or then. As a young guy, racing motorcycles <laughs> make definitely a two-stroke. But uh, as an old guy that's a little bit lazier and a little bit heavier, definitely the four-stroke makes it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think that that's like? Do you think that's something that's changing the sport with juniors? Is is being like getting on a four-stroke earlier, and I guess some, perhaps losing some of those skills you learn when you ride a two-stroke? Made a four-stroke has changed the sport completely. The mm. kind of tracks that we build, the way the tracks form up, the way we coach. Four strokes are a very different beast to a two stroke and it, it's completely changed the sport. It's, it's, it's a different sport to the one that we knew back in the middle 90s, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you think so, for yeah, the better? Sorry? For the better, do you think? No, I don't think it's for the better, no. No, not at all. You know, look at all the technology we've got on motorcycles now, Ben. You know, we've got traction control, we've got yeah. things we can do to suspension and even even the start devices or the, the traction control of the starts, where's the skill gone in dropping yeah, the clutch yeah. in your accelerator and, and knowing that a different <laughs> surface requires a different technique? And, mm. and I'm not a fan of technology, mate. In some ways, I think that um, there's a brutality and, a, and a, a combat kind of mentality that comes with riding a motorcycle the old school way without all the technology. Um, yeah, just, it's a personal opinion. Uh, people are going to keep it in mind, and I understand that. And there's there's always going to be a, a number of perspectives on it. But no, personally, mate, I liked the two strokes back in the day and the racing that came with it and the way things went. Yeah, yeah, awesome. No, it's great. That's what I mean. It's great to get different perspectives on everything. 
So what about, who's your favourite rider to watch of all time? Well, you know what? You interviewed one, Sebastian. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't believe when I was looking through your podcast that you got the opportunity to talk to Seb because um, that guy's unbelievable. He, he was so smooth on a bike and I really used to um, just idolise the way he rode. Um, mate, but Chad is my hero. Like, I, I knew Chad as a young guy. Um, but he's just so determined and so focused, you know. Um, I don't think he's probably the most naturally gifted guy I've ever seen ride a motorcycle. I think I've seen guys come through the sport here in Australia that probably are more naturally gifted. Yeah. Um, but Chad was always going to be successful. Like, from the time he was a kid, he just always had it in his head that this is who he was and what he was going to do, and I just love him for it, you know. And he's, yeah. uh, he's even earned the right now to, to speak his mind, and I love what he lays on the table. And, yeah, so... So definitely those two guys. Tortelli for his technique and style, I just think is is unreal. Chad, uh, oh, and I'd be remiss of me to say RJ. RJ was my hero back when I was a kid. He's yeah, the guy yeah. That was. All over my wall. Rick Johnson was the man. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, well, I think even Chad, like he's a perfect example of someone who is constantly looking to improve himself. Like even now, he's when he got that podium the other week, I don't know if you saw one of the videos, his post-race interview where he, well, Jay actually posted it, Rack Racing posted yeah. it on his page. And that's exactly after the race. He was just, he's, he was happy, but he was like breaking down. How can I get better and, and do it again next next round or whenever. Exactly. And he's, he's a exactly. champion. He's, like you say, he's a true champion. So He's never satisfied. He, he knows yeah. that there's always more to learn and, uh, you know, more room to be better. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. So finally, what's your biggest tip you would have or you would give to a, say, a 16, 18-year-old kid who wants to take it to the top in motocross? What's your biggest piece of advice you could give him? Tough question. Mm, real tough one, mate, because I don't think there's any one bit of advice. The first is, um, first bit of advice I'd give them is if they want to do it, if they really want to do it, for them to know they can. They can. I really believe, you know, that everyone's capable. It just comes down to your amount of passion and the amount of determination that you, you attack the goal with. So you can do it, but it's up to you. Um, and then don't be naive. Look around. Let's see what drops to Go look, find a good coach, someone to help you, support you through it. Do whatever it takes. There, that, that'll be my piece of advice. Do whatever <laughs> it takes. Whatever it takes. And that's a little thing that we've run through my race teams and through my coaching for a long time. Whatever it takes. If you want to be successful, you've got to be prepared to do whatever it takes. It might mean diet, it might mean missing out on social life, it might mean, but uh, you've got to live and diet, yeah. eat it, breathe it. You know, it's, yeah. um, if you want to be successful, it's something you've got to live for it. To, 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 to be the very, very best, you know, to be as successful as, you know, uh, and it all depends on the individual what their goals are. But yeah, um, whatever it takes, be prepared. Yeah, I like it. It's great. <laughs> well, thanks, Nick. Um, is there any, can you let the listeners know where perhaps they can follow you on social media or website, anything like that? They can get in touch. Absolutely. I have a, um, a Facebook page, which is Competitive Edge Motocross Coaching. Um, my Instagram is compedge76. Um, so jump on there and support. Please like my page. That'd be great. It really helps with me getting sponsorship. Um, and before we wrap up, then, if it's okay, just one last thing, mate. Thank you. Thank you for providing this platform for us to get us out there and to, to spread the word a bit. Thank you for the work that you're doing, mate. Your podcasts are amazing. I've really enjoyed listening to all of them. Um, and thank you for the opportunity, mate. It's, uh, it's an honour and I really appreciate and respect being here. So thanks very much. Oh, thank you. I, like I say, I think <clears throat> you're obviously passionate and your heart's totally in the right place. So I want, I'd love for you to be able, for other people to be able to hear your story too. So it's my pleasure. Absolutely yeah, my pleasure. So much, so much. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much for that. There's some great content in there. I'm sure the listeners will, will absolutely love it. Unreal. Thanks, Ben. Take care, mate. Cheers, Nick. Thanks for listening to the Ben Greenwood High Performance Podcast. For more information on this podcast episode, please check out the show notes and to check out more of my content, shoot over to my website, www.100percentstrength.com.
That's www.100percentstrengthtrength.com. 100% strength to us means giving 100% effort to any challenge we face, whether that's in life, whether that's in the gym, or whether that's out on the track. So you can check out some of our free content online. We've got a blog there. We've also got an email list you can subscribe to to stay up to date with events, tips and tricks on a weekly basis. And I really appreciate you give us a follow on Facebook or Insta too. Until the next episode, give it 100%. Peace out.